before Tim comes and speaks to us, um, reading from Philippians chapter 4, just verses 8 and 9. It's one of those um, typical preachers, and Paul saying, starts, starts this passage finally and then goes on for another half a chapter. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I don't know how many people relish the arrival of winter. The mornings seem to be exceptionally dark this year. And as the days grow darker and colder, sometimes it's easy for our thoughts to follow suit. Those of us who perhaps have a natural tendency to dwell on the negative would do well to ponder Paul's injunction to focus on things that are positive at this time of year. To fill our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely and admirable, to look for and think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Goodness knows, when you watch the news or read the papers, there's more than enough negative stuff to make any of us feel wretched. Yet as Christians, we belong to the light, not the darkness. And when the darkness seems very real and very deep, we need to remember the words at the beginning of John's Gospel. Jesus is the light that has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. We do live in a dark world. But it is a world into which Christ has come. And because in Christ the God of peace is with us, That means that the darkness is never complete, it's never total. Somewhere his light will be shining, perhaps just around the corner. There's only one place where the moral and emotional darkness is complete and absolute, and that is hell. That is the place in which God is absent. But we celebrate the truth that God is with us. So even if there are moments where you can't see the light, don't give up looking for it. Because God is with us, it is there. So what should our attitude be to all the darkness that we see around us in the world? Should we just whistle a happy tune and pretend it will go away? No. But we do need to remember that darkness is really an absence of light. Darkness is not the ultimate abiding reality. God is. Amnesty International talk about it being better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. We're here to focus on the light and to make a difference. In these verses, Paul invites us to light a candle in our minds and to remember that the darkness is not absolute. So we will look for and we will take note of and we will celebrate everything we see that is true and honourable, just, pure, lovely and commendable. Whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, these things will have a place in our thoughts because... We belong to the light. And so it's entirely appropriate that all the coverage of of the disaster in Glasgow, the papers and the news have focused on stories of heroism as well as the midst of the destruction and the injury and death. 
because even there the light is shining. And Ray, in your prayers for Syria, the sense of helplessness that so easily overwhelms us when we read of, of the disaster that's happening there, the, the, the suffering of children, the number of people displaced, the number of people killed, you remember that their God is at work through relief agencies, through people from this town, working to bring his light, working to bring his kingdom, even in the darkest places of the world. Tom Wright, in his book, Virtue Reborn, tells the story of a uh, of a man and his, his daughter went out in Chester Street in, in torrential rain. And she was three years old and they were walking on the road and suddenly she disappeared. And uh, the dog that they were walking with disappeared as well. And, and he realised that in the floods there was a storm drain by the side of the road, it had burst its cover and the girl and the dog had just been sucked underneath. And all sorts of thoughts came into his mind. You know, she, she, might, she might have drowned, she might be stuck in the drain, she might have been held enough water to kill her. But he had the clarity of thought to think, actually, the drain's got to come out in the river somewhere. So he ran and he went to the river and he saw her lying face down, went to the river and, and rescued her and got her out. And talking about that experience, he, he, talk about, he talked about, every time I had a bad thought, he said, I forced myself to think of something else. Because the fear, the thought about what might have happened, the darkness paralyzes us and makes us helpless. In that situation, he was able to keep a grip on his thoughts and to do what needed to be done and make a difference. And the gist of Tom Wright's book is that the virtue comes through on a daily basis, keeping a grip on our thoughts and thinking about what we need to think about. Because out of that self-discipline of thought comes character, comes virtue. Makes us the kind of people who, on a daily basis, live lives that are characterised by courage and, and clarity and restraint and concern and consideration for others, so that we do that as a matter of course. As a result of that kind of living on a daily basis, when a moment of crisis comes, we continue to put those qualities into practice because they've become part of who we are and how we think. As Christians in a dark world, we can remember that God is the source of all goodness. God is the source of the light that enlightens our minds. Whatever light we have in us has its origin in him. And where God is with us through his Son, then there is hope. So when all around you is darkness, look up, because above and beyond it all, God is there. And because God is there above and beyond it all, you can also look forward, because he sent his Son, so that our ultimate destination is not darkness and death, but the light of eternal life. At Advent, we celebrate the coming of Jesus as the light of the world. And amidst all the pressures of getting ready for Christmas, don't lose sight of the truth that it really is all about Jesus. And as David said, look for the light of Jesus in the midst of everything else. Because it is all about him. Look for his light in the darkness. And when you find it, allow him to fill your mind with what is good. Let his light of truth and peace and rightness and hope shine in your heart.
It's been said that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. To some extent, that's true. Each of us see what we allow ourselves to see, what we choose to focus on. Our mood affects our perspective on the world. If we're in a good mood, that can enable us to see the best in others and the good in any situation. On a really bad day, it seems that even the kindness and the goodness of others can't really break through the barriers that we put up. And if we're really grumpy, we just put the worst possible spin and motivation on whatever anybody else might attempt to do. We either project our darkness onto the situation that we encounter and the people around us, or we project the light that is within us on the situation and the people around us. Sometimes we project our darkness onto others and we view them through distorted lenses of our own fear or guilt or anger and then nothing ever looks right. It's not just a matter then of choosing what kind of things we're going to think about. It's a matter of choosing how we think at all. Are we going to allow the light of Christ to inform our hearts and our minds and how we look upon the world? allow his light to illuminate what we see and the people around us. See, Paul isn't just telling us to look for things that are excellent or worthy of praise in the world. He's also telling us to have a mindset that is open to recognise them when they are there. In Dickens' short story, A Christmas Carol, it's Scrooge's state of mind that means that he can find nothing, whatever, to celebrate in Christmas. And sometimes it doesn't matter how many truthful or honourable or just or pure or pleasing or commendable things there are out there. If we choose not to see them, their existence will have no impact on our hearts and minds and who we are. Such times, Jesus stands before us and says, as he said to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And we have to reply with Bartimaeus, Lord, I want to see. I don't want to be blinded by the darkness of my own heart and mind. I want to see. Take the dark glasses off my eyes and let me see the light. Take the headphones off my ears and let me hear joy and gladness. Lord, change my mind. Change my way of thinking. Send your light and your truth into your darkness, and let them bring me to your holy hill. When we find ourselves trapped in a darkness of our own making, the only thing we can do is to cry out to the God who is light, and ask him in his grace to open our eyes, so that we can see the light of his love shining in the darkness for us. The saying, there is none so blind as those who will not see, is quite true. But Jesus came as light into the world to open the eyes of the blind so that we might see his light. So that we might be his light.
In that reading, Paul talks about focusing on things that are true and honourable and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Think about these things, he says. But then he goes on to say, whatever you've heard and seen and, and, and observed in me, do. Because how we think should have an impact on how we live. The people that we are. Thinking in one way leads us to act in the same way. When the philosopher Descartes coined the phrase, I think, therefore I am, he was trying to find a rational basis for believing in his own existence. Yet his words taken out of context point us in the direction of finding an emotional basis for our own existence. The kind of thoughts I think will determine the kind of person I am. And the word Paul uses to think about these things carries the meaning of consider, appraise, take account of, evaluate these things. It's about assessing the value and importance of something and recognising its worth. So looking for and valuing the things that are true and honourable and noble and lovely and pure and admirable and saying these are the things that matter. In fact, these are the things that matter enough for them to be in my life. All these qualities that Paul lists are the virtues known and celebrated in his day. But if they are virtues, then they are available to us. Because they reflect the way actually that God made us to be. God created you to be honest, pure, good living, holy and warm-hearted and upright. God created you to live a life that is worthwhile and worthy of praise. That was God's blueprint when he made you. And as God opens our eyes so that we can recognise these things and we see their value and their worth, it's also right to say to God, Lord, make these things part of who I am. Write these values, these virtues onto my heart and my mind. So I don't just see them out there as things to be celebrated. I don't just see them out there as things that I can think about. But may they become part of who I am. Part of how I see the world. Part of how I think. Part of who I am and part of how I behave. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, that is just not where I am at the moment. You know, you you say, God made me to be like this, but in actual fact, you look at my life, I am so much like that. Remember that the God who made you through his son, Jesus Christ, through his son, Jesus Christ, also has the power to change you and recreate that image of God within you. Time and again, yesterday at Sylvia Gordon's wedding, we heard the message about God giving people a fresh start. God in Christ is able to forgive us the past and release us from its hold over us. The good news of Jesus is that the kind of person you've been in the past does not determine the kind of people you will necessarily be in the future. Because God changes us from the inside out forgiving us and releasing us from the past, transforming us by the renewing of our minds, so that these virtues can become part of how you think. They can become part of how you look at the world. They can become part of who you are and how you live, because nothing is impossible with God. And none of us 
is beyond the pale. The Christian life is not a a long list of rules and regulations, of prescriptions of do's and don'ts. It's actually about the kind of people that we are on the inside. So that in any given situation, by the virtue of the kind of people we are on the inside, we will know what we should do, how we should act, and how we should respond. That's what virtue ethics is all about. It's not about debating the rights and wrongs of this or that particular course of action. It's about acting out those virtues that God instills deeply in our hearts as he shapes and moulds us to be the kind of people he had in mind when he first created us. And it doesn't come easily or naturally because we're marred, we're damaged, we're flawed by the way in which we've lived our lives and the way in which other people have treated us. Voltaire once said cynically, what most persons consider as virtue after the age of 40 is simply a loss of energy. So where do you begin? You start by looking for and valuing and seeking to appropriate on a daily basis in countless small decisions the virtues that Paul lists here. I will look for, I will value, I will embrace, I will ask God to instill in my life what is true, what is honourable, what is just, what is upright, what is warm-hearted, what is commendable, what is virtuous, what is praiseworthy. God created you with the capacity to live a life characterised by these qualities and these qualities characterise the kind of person he wants you to be in the future. And we can't change ourselves. But the message of Christmas is we have a saviour who can. He came to bring his light into a dark world. He came to open our eyes so that we can see and welcome that light for ourselves. He came to bring his light into your heart and your life. When the light of Christ burns within us, the darkness that surrounds us doesn't penetrate and fill our hearts and minds. By the grace of God, he enables us not only to see the light and to value it when we see it, by the grace of God he changes us so that we ourselves can be the means by which the light of God's love and hope and salvation shine in this dark world. Jesus said, and he meant it, you are the light of the world. And that light shines as we look for, embrace the values that Paul talks about in these verses. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine so that people may see what you do and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the light that has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. May that be true in our own hearts. 
May your light banish the darkness. Lord, may the light within us illuminate the situations and the people we encounter. Enable us to look for and to bring the qualities that are true and noble and righteous and pleasing and peaceful and just. Lord, in a dark world, may we shine for you as your light shines in our hearts. In Jesus' name.